and welcome to uh, episode 32 of the Talking Toro podcast. I know what you're thinking. It's taken us 32 episodes to think of a way to enter this podcast, which is not either mine or Peter's uh, Midlands voice. Um, Peter, fresh from your trip to Turin. Uh, How are you, my friend? I'm good. I mean, I, I went to Turin and came back with a sting for the podcast. You've you've had thirty two episodes to get our anti chafing ball deodorant advert or an out TV advert. Nowhere to be seen, mate. Come on. Wow, it, I feel like this is such a niche podcast that we would really need a niche advert for it. So if there's some sort of if there is a sponsor out there, I mean, I was when I was thinking that we were uh, going to win the Coppa Italia, I was wanting uh, the the artist formerly known as Premier Sports to. Uh, to get on board and and save us having to pay uh whatever it is fourteen ninety nine to watch one match of football a month, but maybe we could get Fred Chirossa, the the train company, to sponsor us for all of all of the trips Mesa does up and down Italy. Maybe we'll, well see. I'm I'm about to uh, embark on my own uh, trip across Italy um, using the uh, the rail network. So having already bought those train tickets, I'm uh, happy to happy to wait and look out. But yeah, sponsors are available. Much like I mean. Given the amount of stuff that you say on um, about Gazetta, the sport, if you, if anybody does hear that advert at the start of the podcast, the the podcast we've definitely sold out, and the and the opinions are definitely going to change. Yeah, uh, I love Cairo. He's a brilliant. <laughs> he's a brilliant president, and absolutely the Torino fans. The first song on um, Sunday in the Cordova was was uh, was not a very nice one about our president. So. It was. Uh, I was tuning into it. I was thinking that they're not singing Udinese, Udinese, Fafa, and they were they were singing something else. So, um, yeah, uh, president not too popular after the Coppa Italia defeat. But no, yeah, no, I... Udinese are quite a, a harmless team anyway, aren't they? They're not. It's not going to be a chance that you're going to. Uh, well, the, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I barely noticed Udinese all Sunday going to the match because their fans were tucked in a, in the corner. I was in the Maratona, but on the same side that the Udinese fans are on. And that's because the stadium has these massive um, uh, kind of, that you can see through them, but there's this kind of massive um, structures and fences in between the different parts of the stadium. It's quite hard to see the Udinese fans. There wasn't many of them. And then the match itself, the team, I, I really felt the team were secondary to everything on on Sunday. So yeah, it was a bit, Udinese, one of those, I didn't hear a single chant against Udinese all, all, um, so, all Sunday. Yeah. I've, I've been to, I've been to Udinese. I've been to, been to Udinese, I've been to an Udinese game and yeah, it's um, just a, yeah. I think we, we missed them out, didn't we, of our dreams area. Yeah. There's not enough, yeah. there's not enough needle in there, is yeah. there? Udinese, just, so. Yeah. But although there was, I just come across a Twitter um, thread about where somebody's sort of allocating uh, Italian teams to people's sort of their club side, and somebody gave Southampton as being Udinese, which I'm not sure if go. that's a compliment or or not. Best scene in the second tier, is that it? <laughs> Just easily forgettable, I think. But uh, yeah, no, uh, we'll, we'll ca- catch up a little bit on the game, and then we'll talk about your trip uh, to Turin. And yeah, part of our sort of sort of special feature on today's episode is going to be about going to games and, and what it's like and, and sort of things that we do and sort of habits and stuff, which again, hopefully might be helpful for people who are ever sort of thinking of going over to Turin for uh, a game, obviously to the to the right half of the city. Um, it's no halves but, in that city. 
<laughs> well, this is correct. More, more ninety. What do you call it? Ninety ten split. There's a few. There's a few Inter fans in Turin. We'll let you off. And a few Napoli. Yeah. In fact, quite a lot of Napoli fans. But um, I firstly, my, my my good friend Beto massively let me down. He was absolutely dreadful. Um, I yeah, the, the Beto scouting mission I was on. Yeah, I wasn't too impressed either. He was a bit clumsy, um, bit moany as well. Yeah. So. But um, yeah, and in terms of a Torino perspective, you you text me uh, from the curve bemoaning the fact that you were about to see Jan Caramo's um, debut as a Trequartista, and what did he do? He scores the winner with a what was it, a thirty-six pass move? It was yeah, it was um, it was one of those things. That, yeah, you do kind of people played back afterwards, and you realise quite how many passes were. It was a bit deaf by a thousand cuts, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> And it's funny how your perspective of the game is very different in the stadium, especially when you've not been to the stadium for a while because you are very consumed in the theatre that is the 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 tifo. Um, I always I'd almost forgotten those little headaches, the kind of headaches you get after you've been in, in the Cordova. It's like it takes you two hours to come down, doesn't it? It's it's like it's really wonderful. I thought first of all the atmosphere. Again, I've not been in a while, so um, but the atmosphere. Felt really good. It felt felt pretty positive. I always find watching on TV, um, they turn the microphones right down on the on 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 the fan on the the kind of crowd noise and the ambient noise, which I yeah I think that's one of the big selling points of Italian football is the atmosphere. And I don't I know sometimes when Serie A is shown, the stadiums don't always look uh, state of the art, and there's quite a few often empty spaces. But I think if they sometimes if the TV companies worked a bit harder to, to to get some decent sound it would make a difference so I mean I'd, I don't I'd be interested in someone who goes more regularly but I felt yeah I felt the atmosphere was was really good um and any other perspective is just watching Torino play really you kind of see it in a different way I was saying death by a thousand cuts it's it's what Torino essentially did it was quite a lot of sterile possession at the back um but I think towards like the half hour, between the half hour mark, the either 15 minutes either side of half time, we were very good at kind of creating these triangles. And uh, um usually with Richie and one of the wing backs and um moving the ball a lot faster. And I think we just yeah, Udinese lost their concentration a bit. Um and then we started creating some openings. It was just yeah, it was quite interesting watching that. And the other thing I found in the last ten minutes, I wasn't particularly nervous about Udinese scoring, and I don't know if that was the same for you, but you have to find watching on TV. You, I don't know, because I was quite far from from where they were attacking. You don't always have that same depth. Uh, the depth of field's a little bit different, and um, so I never really felt we weren't going to win the game, um, which is it's just quite a nice feeling. It's a bit of an expensive way for me to um, to calm my nerves. If, it, but maybe it's part of the collective experience of being with other fans as well. Um, but yeah, I thought the victory was. It probably wasn't a great game, but for me, it felt like a great game because I was back in the stadium, I was back you back with my people, so to speak. And um, yeah, it was just, it kind of capped on many levels a really, really, really good weekend. Um, but I, yeah, I felt I felt we deserved the game. It wasn't, it was, we, I think we made hard work of it. There was quite a few openings in the last half an hour we we should have done better with. Um, and you can kind of see the f- where the team is having a little bit difficulty, not having that kind of physicality and pace in areas, not really having a say a proper centre forward. But 
I mean, I, I didn't think Snabry had his best game. Um, but defensively, we look we look solid, and I will probably come on to Richie a bit later because he's unfortunately he's going to be injured for the next six weeks. But yeah, he's such a such a ch- talented player in the, in the midfield as well. Yeah, just to pick up on a couple of points, I always feel lot a lot less a less a lot less nervous when I'm watching a game in the stadium, no matter what the team is or whatever. I feel, and it sounds stupid, but you know how players players will always say that as well when they're on the pitch they feel in control of the game, whereas obviously when they take off a substitute, they can no longer impact it. Obviously, I know that me being in the stadium has absolutely no impact on the game, but I feel I'm able to sort of anticipate the whole pitch rather than just the, sort of the whatever you uh, you see by the, the lens of the, the TV camera. So I feel like sometimes being able to, you can sense danger a lot quicker, so you just feel a lot more in control of it. Um, so yeah, I always feel a little bit more a lot less stressed in the stadium. The stress is probably in terms of make sure you get there on time or make sure like you don't miss the game or I always have a dreadful uh, feeling that I'm going to misread a, a kickoff time and I'm going to turn up and uh, the game's an hour, an hour old, but thankfully that's never happened. Um, and also just, I find something which is quite strange, which I was thinking about earlier today, is that obviously when you or I or anybody who sort of supports a team but don't live even in the in the country um, of the team that they support. It's a very expensive endeavour to go away, and sometimes when you are watching the game and you say Torino taking a lead, you you've primarily gone over for a ninety minute football match, and then obviously Torino scores what forty seven minutes. So it's almost like you're wanting time to speed up for the rest of the game, even though you've paid all this money to watch a fo- football match. You almost, in a way, can't really enjoy the game because you're sort of I well, I find it whether whether it's the same for you, but sometimes I'll I'll be like if Torino take the lead in the game, I'm like oh, just want just want the full time muscle now, and which if we score in the first ten minutes can be problematic. But yeah, the way that time works usually in that situation, time just goes backwards, and you feel that the the clock hasn't moved to, for sort of ten fifteen minutes, and you're still sort of on the the fiftieth minute waiting to sort of hold on to this result. Maybe that's just my desperation of improving my uh, poor Torino. Uh, record whilst watching live no I know what you mean I didn't really get that so much sensation on Sunday maybe because Udinese were never not really ever in the game and I was yeah I was just like I needed a second goal just to settle things down really um, but yeah I think just talking a little bit about the match it's probably maybe a little, this week it's a little bit more interesting to talk about things around the match um, I thought yeah Richie played very well Um Caramo, you mentioned, yeah, I mean, I was actually pleased to see him start because last week I'd mentioned that Vlasic, I think Vlasic needed a rest. I, th- I thought Vlasic was actually really bad when he came on. Um, not He worked hard, but there was a, there was a, <laughs> I didn't think I'd be saying there's a drop down in quality when Caramo went off and um, Vlasic came on. Caramo was excellent and never point in the stadium. He worked really hard. Um, yeah. I wasn't entirely sure what position he was playing in it was kind of wide left sometimes it was sometimes it's through the middle um but I thought yeah he took I mean he, he spends a lot of time offside so it's quite ironic that he, that when he did as finally scored a league goal it was yeah it was a on a kind of very marginal um onside decision um, tell you what I, what I really like about and I was again thinking this during the week about Caramo I think almost if you imagine and remember the almost 
that nobody was massively enthused when he signed. It was very he spent a season in in Turkey, and it was basically why are we signing this guy. But I actually quite like having players in the team who, and this is going to sound harsh and disrespectful, but like Torino were their peak. Like they can't believe their luck that they've ended up at Torino. I suppose you could probably put Gigi in that in that situation. If you look at throughout throughout the team, you've got players who have maybe failed at bigger clubs and this is their sort of comeback tour and they're trying to sort of rebuild their way back up to a, a level. Or you've got young players, maybe like a Richie Richers, who are sort of building, like starting their careers and you would eventually expect them to to play at a Champions League level. Whereas having players like Caramo, who has, he's he played at a big club, but I don't think you would put him in the same category as maybe a Vlasic or a Moranchuk. He, he's, he's more sort of, this is probably his level. He He needs to play at a high level every game, probably has to work hard to sort of be a Serie A player. He's he's not somebody who would automatically think, oh yeah, he, he should be playing in Serie A. Um, so yeah, no, I think, and that I feel like it might be a really, really backhanded compliment, but he's meant to be a compliment in the fact that actually you can sort of see how much he enjoys being at Torino. Um, and yeah, not, not to obviously didn't see much of his, his work in Turkey the, the previous season but I think playing in, in a sort of high level top five league he's really appreciating having that opportunity again and even when he wasn't in the team he didn't really see if he came on he didn't really sort of didn't have an attitude or anything he'd sort of put in and just continue to work hard I'm glad he got his reward not only on, on the in the cup but then also starting the league as well and you'd, you would imagine if he sort of recovers from his uh, it's unfortunate to go off so soon after scoring but if yeah, if he recovers, um, he, he's probably going to going to start on Friday. Yeah, he, he's. Um, I like having players on the bench or in the squad who are a little bit unpredictable, um, and are quite polyvalent. They can, and whereas you know when you got a Simone Zaza on the bench, it's uh, you kind of knew what he was going to do, and yeah, your best hope is he he might stick his head on something, but I you know it's quite. We've got players who are, yeah, quite error-prone sometimes, um, a, a lot of young players. But, um, you know, when you can bring pace and energy off the bench, I know he started on, on Sunday, but uh, it makes a big difference. Yeah, the One of the players I wanted to talk about on the match was Ola Aina, who I think was in, I think you had the full spectrum of Ola Aina on Sunday. In a weird way, he was definitely the most decisive player. Um, he set up the goal he had a chance to make it 2-0. He was a one player, I think, in the first half an hour took on Udinese players. Um, but then uh, his long throw as well, um, sometimes kind of used as, as a weapon. But but then there were a kind of series of like miss-hit crosses and, and yeah, kind of poor controls here and there. Bad, uh, got, got booked with a bad challenge as well, which... So yeah, in the last ten minutes, invites a little bit, of a bit of pressure. Yeah, it just it was a full. Um, but yeah, he seemed really. He was the one player after the game who went under the cover to give. He was giving someone his shirt as well. But yeah, he seemed to. It wasn't, it, wasn't, kind of, it wasn't you, Peter. I was. He'd obviously, heard, he'd, he'd obviously heard yes, uh, last week's episode. When did, I was like, well, I, I hate. I hate to say it, but the police gonna have my shirt uh, brigade. I did see some of them in 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 the um, tribuna anyway. It's and, probably that's probably still my sign from there when I went over in October. Yeah, sadly, Lianco's moved on. So, um, but yeah, no, I thought I thought it was. Um, 
I, I thought I thought Ina ultimately had quite quite a good match. Um, and and again, I, I feel like it's just a common theme where I sort of slag somebody off and then almost feel bad for it and sort of go go back on myself a little bit and do a and do a one eighty. But I I think the frustration with Ina personally for me is the inconsistency and in the fact that he is an una- has been unable to regularly reproduce the form that he had when he first signed on loan. Um, I and the, I think that's probably similar what a lot of fans have uh, that actually when Ina plays at his best he's probably our best maybe actually Lazar is possibly better but he's one of our better wing back options in, in terms of his complete game but yeah when he's not at his best he's, he's potentially one of the worst and I think it's just that consistency we don't expect somebody to be a, an 8, 9 out of 10 every game I'd much rather him to be a 6 or a 7 um, but yeah, sometimes if that level drops a little bit, and it, it and I think sometimes it might, whether it is just a, a body language thing, maybe it's his personality, but I just don't think his body language is always that he seems so ha- like massively happy to be there. When you think when he first joined, like I, I enjoyed his Instagram content. I know Instagram gets a bit of a, a hard, <laughs> a raw deal on this podcast, but I used to enjoy his um, his Instagram sort of fashion. Uh, rating of his teammates or is it, it doesn't seem to do that anymore and I, I don't know maybe it's maybe it's for the better but uh, I quite enjoy getting that sort of peek behind the players because yeah you do only see them on the sort of on the match day it is a strange bunch of players like I say you've got a mixture of sort of nationalities players who are maybe at the start of their career at the end of the career in the middle of their career um yeah I do I, I just like to to sort of see what people are up to well, let's hope when you go out in April, there's, a, there's another open day at the Philadelphia. So. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be getting my selfies. I'm not sure my fiance will be too glad about that, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's I think oh, yeah, I'm due to be leaving the day after the game. So yeah, I think the chances of that are quite slim. But who knows if if anybody wants to invite me to a uh, tour of the uh, the training ground, then I, I won't complain. Ooh. Well, I think we were gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about. Heading out to Turin for um for matches um for I know uh, quite quite a few uh quite a few people listening are in the UK and kind of regularly go out go out to matches but just yeah it's thought it was it was quite interesting for me to to quite a while not being at a match I also thought the demographic of the Torino fan base was quite different there's a lot more um women and children at the match than there used to be um and the thing that really surprised me is the amount of groups of English speaking fans there and counted at least four four different groups whether it was kind of at the tram stop or people pa- passing us in the in, in the stadium quite a few students um, English speaking student groups as well um so yeah kind of I, I get yeah I guess there's a kind of probably a degree of people living in Turin and also people um maybe doing a bit of football tourism but yeah it was kind of it was good it was good to see um, yeah I think with the since COVID as well, where obviously you had sort of maybe a year and a half, two years where you couldn't do any travelling. I think I met up when I went over in October, there was somebody there who, he was a Scottish guy who came, just goes to different games every sort of month or so. And this week he chose to go to Torino and I think potentially could have been a factor that there was the Milan derby. So with the kickoff, you probably would have been able to make both games. So if, yeah, if you're going over for the Milan derby, but, get the train over to Turin, watch Torino and then head back straight back to Milan. That's quite possible, I suppose. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's 
the demographic since every time I've gone there has been quite mixed and almost surprised at how many sort of younger people there are because the stories and the horror stories you hear is that Torino sort of got a more an older fan base and at some stage at that it's going to sort of but, maybe they maybe the younger elements will will support other teams because of Torino's lack of success. I think yeah, I think a lot of the older fan base you might find in different parts of the stadium. Um, and also think with the I, the various ID protocols and greater scrutiny on people going into the stadiums has probably yeah across Italian football has had an impact on on ultra groups and and uh, people who yeah pe- people who refuse who, whose decision is to refuse to do that. So there's definitely yeah there's definitely um, a different demographic to there was ten fifteen years ago. That's for sure. Um, Do you, was just, do you know who, um, talking of interesting meetups, do you know who one of the first people I met up, well, I didn't meet up with, but I literally bumped into in Turin was? Uh, I think if it's uh, who I, is it, is it, if it's who you sent me the photo of, was it Alessandro Gazzi? Yeah, a, this is a true story. So, you know, pretty soon after arriving in Turin, so Alessandro Gazzi brought a book out, um, about a year ago, which I was in, interested in in buying, it's had quite good reviews. And um, yeah, that, to, to get it shipped over to the UK is a kind of ridiculous price. So I went into the went into a bookshop, bought his book, and then two minutes later, crossed the road in Piazza Castello, and I was like, "There's Alessandro Gazzi walking towards me." Uh, he was with his family, so I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. Didn't, getting, didn't ask getting, him to getting, sign it. No, I mean I should have done, but um, yeah, it's just always reminding me. I used to live in the centre of Turin, and like it was. You'd I would always see a footballer almost every um every weekend or almost almost every day. It was just yeah. It was, I think and I think yeah. Sorry, the historical but, center is relatively small. Yeah, that's exactly um, what I was going to say. Yeah, because it's such a small. It's it is obviously a big city, but the the center of it is easily walkable, and you can sort of bump into people. And yeah, I've bumped into a few, obviously. Lienko, <laughs> Lienko, I mostly get a photo with um, back when people wanted to get photos with Lienko, I imagine. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure if I've told the story, but I and I'm not allowed to mention his name on the podcast. But a, a former Torino captain, uh, I was actually in a cafe and he was outside, um, and he was walking his dog, and I heard the. Couple. I literally just arrived into in that day. It was gone to a cat cafe, which I don't. I think it might still be there, um, in the centre of town. I heard somebody behind me say Bellotti, so I turned round, um, and then yeah, looked out the window and he was there. But his his dog had just um, had a goodness. reaction to seeing you, shall we say? Well, well, let's 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 say that. So I yeah, I had I had the moral dilemma though. It's like, do I go outside and ask this man who it? Is like an idol for me to, for a photograph whilst he is carrying what is effectively a bag of shit. Um, so yeah, I decided not to, uh, and then kicked myself for the rest of the trip. Um, and yeah, I did. I did go on to actually get to meet him at a later stage. But yeah, no, I I, I felt like it was probably the best thing to do, and like nobody wants to 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 pick to have that in your hand any longer than you need to, and having a strange. English tourists sort of asking for a photo would just be a little bit strange. So yeah, I probably did. I made the right decision, but yeah, I think in into in what I would say about going to games in Italy, and you could probably compare it to our our teams in England. When when you go up to Port Vale and I go watch Southampton, 
I I'll speak for myself in terms of Southampton, but I don't go. I go primarily for the football, and obviously I, there is things for me to do in Southampton, but it's not something that I is the main reason we go in there. It's not the nice spoiler alert, but if Abe's never been, but yeah, Southampton might not be one of the better uh, uh, cities in the UK. Um, but yeah, with in terms of Turin, there's so much other things to do. Whereas it actually feels that like the football is part of a trip. It's part of a wider trip. It's not just, uh, especially if you get a little bit of time. It's not the the main reason you go in there. It is a sort of part of that sort of part of your experience is the football, but it's also the culture. It's the walk around the city. It's whether you go on go up to do Sapergo or the Egyptian Museum. There's so many other things for you to do where it doesn't feel like you've just gone to a city for a football match. No, indeed. I mean, I think the hardest thing to do in Turin is to buy uh, is buying Torino merchandise. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll come on to that. But yeah, no, I agree. And the weekend itself was, um, I always think when you fly into Turin and you see the mountain so clearly. And then when you I got the bus into the city and the whole time you could see the mountains. And having lived in Turin, I know you get plenty of foggy days, you get plenty of days with, with relatively poor visibility. But when you get those sunny winter days with um, really crisp views of the Alps, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a kind of magnificent place to be, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of walking around the centre, there's, there's quite a few things that have opened up that, um the, the cathedral there's um you, you can head up to the top of the cathedral and there's a platform where you can go and view um well a bell tower where you can go and view the whole city um and, and the Turin shroud as well there are two things that when i lived there were, were closed and even on subsequent trips back were closed so um yeah it's kind of quite quite a new a lot of new things to do and i guess even just mentioning the number of different nationalities at the stadium as well there was there's a lot more without it kind of being like a Florence or a Venice level of kind of tourism, there's, there is a lot more tourists in Turin as well. So um, yeah, the city, I think the city's opened its, it, it, its doors a lot more since uh, certainly since it had the winter Olympics and um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's kind of great place to go and spend time. It's a very easy place to go and spend time. Um, and just, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just one, just one point when you brought up the Winter Olympics then, because I think I was talking about it in a conversation in the week. Can you think of a city which utilises the metro system less than Turin? Well, the metro system, I think that was built just as I was leaving. And I've, from what I understand, yeah, it doesn't really... Yeah, it's it's not a very useful way of getting around, ultimately, nah. is it? There, like, it yeah, yeah. So, like I... I, I very rarely i've used it in the past but not there there always seems to be an alternative way of of getting somewhere where yeah maybe i think it was just a means to the end in terms of getting the the winter olympics there but yeah it when you go to a city obviously majority of the time if you go to rome or or milan you you're using the, the sort of the metro predominantly whereas yeah entering because it again like we say it's, it's such a small city buses trams are, are perfectly and even walking are just perfectly easier ways of getting around the city, whereas the metro is probably not as needed. I think you lose out a little bit on it as well, traveling underground, rather you, you miss out on things that actually, oh yeah, might be I might want to get off the, the tram or stop earlier and, and have a look at over there. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a small city in some senses, and it's a very big city in other senses. If you actually want to get out to something which is deep in the suburbs, you realise, yeah, there's a there's a lot to it. But the kind of historical centre is, yeah, it's, it's very, very walkable. Um, I think we're going to, we might just talk about some of the football tourism things to do in Turin before setting up the game with Milan this, this weekend. But to do that, I think we're going to play a little sweet reminder of our last trip to the San Siro. Three against three, Bayer's cross, it must be! Adopo scores! Milan trail to 10-man Torino in extra time. Welcome back to episode 32 of Talking Toro. We were just going to wrap up a little bit, uh, I guess a weekend in, in Turin, going to see going to see Torino. Rob, um, I know you're keen to talk about a few of the kind of Torino Torino FC things you can do in the city. The one thing I was going to talk about was just the merchandising and just the general, uh, that was the one thing that really hadn't changed. I certainly hadn't changed for the better since, since I was last there, but essentially Torino used to have a club shop in Piazza Castello, which is like one of the three big piazzas in the center of the town. And if not the kind of really the central piazza, it was a small shop, but it was, pretty strategically placed it was actually better placed than the event shop on via garibaldi um so you could go in and yeah it, it was a small shop you'd often have to wait to go inside and wait to be served but um you know you you, you could pretty much get you what what you wanted there um but that shop has is kind of still there because they've they've got like a halfway house i don't know if it's just a transitional period where that shop is transitioning into something else and they've still got Torino stuff, but they've got a random lot of other stuff. Um, but it had a certain amount of stuff there, but not not really anything too interesting. Um, and then the, um, the main club shop is now opposite the opposite the stadium on um, Corso Agnelli. And... Um, I'm pretty. Maybe it was there last time I was there, but I before the the match I tried to find it, and admittedly I probably wasn't trying too hard. But it just goes to show there was no kind of signage or anything outside. And then I looked at the address after the match, and okay, it is just kind of literally in front of the um, in front of the stadium. And you go in, and there's a queue to get in. Um, and yeah, I mean when 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 you go in, it was just like there were two people serving. It's almost like a personalized shopping experience for people. You wait in twenty minutes while someone tries the the hoodie on, and um, yeah, it it just yeah, it wasn't an experience where it was very easy to part with my money or get you know I had to have quite a lot of patience. Um, and then you go to the airport when you're leaving, and there's 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 the Juventus presence in the airport, and there are plenty of people who were like just you know had some euros to spend and were just didn't really have any interest in Juventus I don't think but we're just getting rucksacks and things and so there's no there's a real kind of lack of yeah opportunities to to spend money on your on on your football club there's a lot of kind of unofficial things in town and 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 think and things here and there and even within the stadium for me it would make sense to have pop-up places in the stadium um I don't think there are in other parts of the stadium I didn't go to and even if I didn't have everything but you know what you know, if if you do it week in, week out, you start to know what people want to buy and you stock accordingly. And if you haven't got it, you tell them to go to the shop after the game. But um, and it's even getting a drink or anything in the ground. It was, we got there quite early and had a beer 
there was no queue but by the time you want your second beer there's a massive queue and they're, they're all over the shop with with remembering orders and collecting money and getting money from one till and then having to prove to the other person that you've paid and um yeah and then also did my and my regular visit to the the club headquarters in the center of town which is completely under scaffolding at the moment and it's just yeah it's it, i know that's a kind of small thing but um you just realize there's not not been a lot of progress made in in those areas which is and i know torino don't own the stadium and that might limit doing things in the week but it certainly shouldn't limit things doing um doing things on a match day um i also did the tour yeah, talking a little bit more wider things before I had time before the match, so I did did the walk around to Philadelphia. And again, yeah, it's quite it's not designed in a way that encouraging people to look in, is it? And uh, it's all quite all quite fenced off. And um, you know, ironically, then after the Udinese win, they opened it all up and um, got five hundred people in there, which which is great. But yeah, they could do a lot more. They could definitely create more of a fan experience a fan corridor from the Philadelphia to to the stadium um yeah it was just it was kind of yeah a little bit disappointing to see that um the club had not really made great strides in 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 kind of areas of in the commercial commercial department should we say yeah no, I think one of the actual more recent things that's happened in terms of the merchandising is that actually Torino now are affiliated directly with the club shop so previously it was the Granata store which has now been rebranded as the Torino FC store but I think previously the um, the guy who owns it, the family uh, of who owns the Granata store almost had the license to produce official Torino merchandise whereas now it's sort of become in-house which is, allows them to do a lot more sort of discounts and things like that so there's like a Torino FC card where it's almost like a, a discount card that you can that you, like you pay maybe I'm not even sure how much it is because it's just not cost efficient for me to have one or cost effective for me to have one but you you pay sort of maybe 50 60 euros for this card and that gives you 10 percent off all your purchases so once you buy things consistently you're going to make your money back um and then I think they did one uh, I can't, it might have been I mean, they used to when they when it was um, previously the Grata store, they did have some sort of like Halloween offers and things like that. But yeah, they, I think there was just a random sort of ten percent off during a week after Torino. Well, I think it might be after after the um, Coppa Italia when when we beat Milan, there was a ten percent off just for like a week, just as to sort of get on that feel good factor. So you think actually that getting the the shop involved with the club it should be a good thing. But yeah, they they've almost then got away of the got rid of the city centre presence in terms of merchandise dicing. The state the, the shop by the stadium is even though it is opposite the stadium, it's probably not the the natural way that you would go if you think it, it you've got the if anybody's been to Italian football games before, they're sort of you'll have stalls with scarves and badges and um potentially replica shirts and potentially uh, fake shirts um sort of dotted around the stadium and that's sort of like on your main walk up to the ground, whereas this the 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 Torino shop is the other end of that, so it's almost not like you if you sort of getting getting the bus or the tram in, you're, you you've already walked through the, like four or five market stores of things where you, you're going to buy the exact same thing, but for four or five euros more expensive in the club shop. Um, 
so yeah, things like that is a little bit strange in how it works because it's it's not even that you're buying. I bought a um a beanie hat and I bought it from a market stall um not before I think it was on the Saturday so before the Sunday but like the official one the exact version that they would have in the club shop and it was five euros cheaper so it's things like that which is like well where is that price difference coming from and that's that's not going to encourage people to buy things even it's it's literally the same item it's not like it's a, a replica the sad the sad thing is you know that there's a lot of tourists since you're in who may have no intention or of going to see a football match but they're walking in the centre of Turin and they want to buy someone a present or they've got children. And, well, you know, we don't want to buy for whatever. They might not want to buy a Juventus shirt. They might like the colour of the Torino shirt. They might know about Torino and they can buy a shirt. And that that present creates a creates a relationship between that person and Torino and it might not go anywhere. It might, but that's how some people start becoming fans as well. It's just having that first yeah. contact. It creates some interest. Oh, there's, there's another... T- some you know some people will come and say oh there's a, there's two you know there's two club shops for two teams and um I want to find out more about this team and you'll start looking out for their results but as soon as you take away that that presence to you know you you're preaching to the well, you're preaching to the converted who are willing to make an effort with the one at the stadium but the but to not have to not have something in the center of town is is it's going to cost the club ultimately and if somebody doesn't know anything about football and like you say wants to buy something you don't know anything about Torino, you don't know anything about Juventus. You, th- That person is going to buy the merchandise, which has got the name of the city that they've been to. If you buy something from Juventus and you don't know anything about football, you don't. You, you might not even know that Juventus play in Turin, whereas well, some would say they don't. Um, but you would, if like if you buy a Torino mug or scarf, or whereas like, oh, yeah, I've been to Turin, Torino, and I've, I've, I've bought you this back. Um, the first piece, I mean, I, I, my uh, maybe not so much my my current home, but my um, my previous home before I moved uh, back in Coventry did does resemble like an unofficial Torino club store to be honest. But the first piece of Torino merchandise that I ever had was when I was I was on holiday in Milan and I sort of read about Torino. It was like Torino were going to be sort of my Italian team, uh, and I bought a pennant from a market stall and it's unofficial, like it was literally doesn't have the um, proper logo on it's just got sort of like Torino C and it's got a ball on it sort of it looks properly fake but it was the only piece of Torino, Torino merchandise that I found on a week's holiday in Milan which made sense because I was in Milan but when you're in I think that I've been in the uh, Piazza Castello store before and there's been American tourists who've been in there and they've spent 300-400 euros on stuff because like you say you've, you're in this city and it is a, a really good opportunity to get new fans into the club. And those fans might not, they might not come back, they might not go to a game, they might not do anything. But actually, it doesn't really matter where whether these fans are buying anything. You're actually getting a consistent um, income from sort of players, people who are just buying the odd shirt, the odd scarf, the odd t-shirt, the odd, the odd whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the reasons behind that were. There could be maybe it's just a temporary thing, but. Now that they are sort of linked with, between the shop and the club, you would hope that um, they they can sort of put a little bit more money into it because actually it's not so much. It's not always about making money. Um, I think actually just making having a, a presence in the city is like oh, 
it's creating it's like, memories it's like a it's creating memories for people as well but yeah i mean i think we just wanted to talk on quickly about the different uh, in addition to going to the match there's obviously different things you can do um going up to superga going to the uh, torino museum Gugliasco. there's also the Gigi moroni um little memorial um as well there's also the turin cemetery where um some of the players from Su- uh, superga are laid to rest um you just wonder it's, it's, i don't want this to be a kind of criticism of the club but you just wonder if they could i know torino fc do not necessarily own any of those places but if you had some kind of if you were able to kind of create some kind of fan experience uniting all those things and made it easy for people to to travel but so you could have a day's experience where you could go and do all of these things or, or opt in and opt out i think that that would be great as well as a as, as a kind of package whereas as it is you've got to you know even some of those things you've got to you've really got to know you've got to know about them and then you've got to find them which is not always that that easy and and they used to i've been on uh, i think i went twice but there used to be the uh, ability to do a torino stadium tour but wasn't run by the club it was almost run by the the council and almost done as more of a um sporting tour so they put sort of it was memorabilia in there but part of that was going into the stadium go go into the tunnel didn't go into the dressing rooms but you like got down onto pitch level you could sit in the in the sort of dugouts and things like that and that's i mean if you look at um other this is again it's another frustration it's something which it is it would be a steady source of income that if you actually yeah have a stadium tour and have some memorabilia there uh so you can do a museum and a tour even with a stadium um because yeah it is in it is relatively in the center it's easy for people to get to um i know you've got the club shop a little bit away from it but yeah it's another it's another more means of getting people to that stadium and yeah i enjoy i enjoy a stadium tour and sometimes people are in the city and there isn't a game to go to so the next best thing is actually i'm gonna go and see the stadium and learn a little bit more about the club i've done that for for other clubs so i don't see why other sort of football fanatics wouldn't do that with torino talking about not having games um torino we've got a few i think we've got several free weekends coming up haven't we so we've got um Milan this Friday, followed by Cremonese on a Monday, um, followed by Juventus on a Tuesday, and I think followed by Bologna on a Monday. So, uh, at least Torino can't ruin our weekend. We well, might be able to ruin weekend. it. Might be able to ruin it this weekend, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a. I don't know if it's yeah, probably not ideal. A bit of a quirk of the, of the scheduling, but Milan this Friday, Robert. Um, it's um, we've obviously beaten them twice this season, but without putting the downer on it, I have had a I've had a little look at our record at the San Siro against Milan in the twenty first century. Fifteen games, do you know how many points? How many points in fifteen games? Four, five. Oh, do you know how many goals in the fifteen games? Three. Five. I mean, we so, scored two in. We scored two, I think, in one of the games. Well. Right, and, but, but yeah, the, 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 ma- 
the man who won't be mentioned, Mr. Penalty, didn't he? In the yeah, he did. Minute on the, was I, I, I think Donnarumma saved it, technically. It was the opening day of the season, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Lu- yeah Luke, we... I, remember, I remember seeing uh, Lucas Boy, uh, Boyer playing and thinking he was going to be uh, the, the, next, the next great Torino striker. He's actually doing quite well in, in the league. Yeah, we've, so we've we've drawn five of the last 15. Four of them were nil-nil. Uh, and technically this season, the Coppa Italia was a nil-nil after 90 minutes as well. So last time we won uh, in Milan, this after the Florence uh, victory, this must be one of our worst, this kind of longest running uh, winless streaks. So it was uh, March 85, uh, where we won one nil. Do you know who's playing for Milan? Do you know who's playing for Milan that day? I'm thinking maybe an English striker. Yeah, with a mullet. Mike Mike Hately. Yeah, Mesa's favourite, and and uh, Ray Wilkins was playing. So, um, yeah, so maybe having an Milan having an England international in in Tamori will be. Uh, I think. Well, he he didn't make that. He wasn't in the um, team that he played in the derby on Sunday. So I'm not sure if tomorrow would be fit. I. I'm going to go, I know I've got to make up some points in our prediction league. I'm relatively confident, less confident after Richie's injury. Um, but anybody watched the Milan derby on Sunday, Milan were not great. And they don't, definitely seem to be almost caused by, maybe not Torino, I think it was probably the, the Roma game they had in the league where they were 2-0 up and then Capitulated in the last ten minutes and drew two all. Ever since then, their their form has just basically fallen off a cliff. They lost four 0 at Lazio, five two was it at home to Sassuolo. So definitely in poor form. They um, they've got players who are injured, which has been really problematic. Uh, Mike Manjan in goal is obviously a much better keeper than uh, Tata Asanu. Um Rafael Liao isn't in the what wasn't in the starting lineup on on Sunday either. So whether he'll play, and then they've got is it Spurs in the Champions League, and the, the following week. So if it wasn't for the Richie injury, I'd be very very confident of a, of a, at least a, a performance, maybe a result. Um, it is one of those ones where sometimes a team is in such bad form, it feels that they just need to play Torino and they'll sort of snap back out of it. Um, but yeah, there did seem to be some. They purely changed formation and and tried to match up with with Inter on Sunday and didn't work. And I yeah. I think that probably if they continue to to go on this bad form, even though they win the title, I think questions might start to get asked. So I'm going yeah, to. Um... Was well, I'll let you come to prediction in, in a bit? Maybe maybe I'll talk you into or out of your prediction, but. Pioli said after the inter game he was going to go to three at the back, so it could be, it could be one of those memes where, um, yeah, it's just two identical people are looking at each other, but tactically the the, 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 uh, the, the Spider Man meme, the Spider Man meme, that's what I was looking for. But yeah, could be three five two. It's three five two. Yeah, normally I I kind of wish Milan had won one of the games and this like maybe beaten Sassuolo or something in this sequence because I think they will. I said last week they might hit the reset button, but I think they'll definitely go back to basics. I think it'll probably be a fairly brutal game. Uh, I'm not expecting it to be. Um, probably a bit like the cup game. Um, Richie, you've mentioned Richie. I mean, I've seen a lot of things today where Torino have won one in 10 with him in the team, but six of our seven defeats 
six, six, sorry, seven defeats a season, I think, have come with when Richie wasn't playing. He was either injured, he was on the bench against Juve. Um, so I think with Richie on the field, we might have only lost tw- lost twice and we've only beaten Lecce. So fundamental player for us. Um, difference now is, well, Illich is going to have to A, be fit because he wasn't for the for the weekend and B, get up to speed. I was just looking at the midfield. I think it's probably going to be quite key uh, to our chances of retaining seventh. Whether that is enough for Europe is something for another day. But my my personal concern is in the two, Linetti doesn't work. And that was very clear watching on Sunday. Linetti is built for a three-man midfield where he can be the one that breaks into the box or he's built for destroying the game. But um, he just doesn't have... He doesn't have the physicality nor the nor nor the technique really. If you want to, if you're really reliant on your two central midfielders running the game, which I think Torino are. So I do wonder if Illich is if Illich can stay fit will be important. But I think it's a massive month for either Adopo or Vieira to really um, to really take that position. And if they can actually add a little bit, become a little bit of a Pabega from last season, where you could where you can match. Yeah, tactical foul shithousery, but with being a threat from set pieces, um, running with purpose, taking defences on, um, supporting the attack, then it might be that Adopo is a little bit more built for for playing further forward than Vieira. But it'll be it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be it's, it's always typical with this midfield that. Yeah, we we for a very short while we had Richie Lukic and Illich. Um, you know, gone are the days of 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 having a midfield with Rincon and, and Mate, but it just yeah, it just feels like we can never never really play the midfield we want to play, and I think that's absolutely crucial to to this team. The other thing is unless Moranchuk or Vlasic goes and plays a bit deeper, but yeah, I think I think it would be really interesting to see if Illich can play. Because even if he does, he's going to straight away be almost a lot of pressure on the team. Whereas with Richie there, I think Juric alluded to it in a in a press conference. They're almost changing their style a little bit with with Richie and Illich almost being quite a similar type of players and uh, dominating possession and sort of the way that that's that's how they try and play. Whereas I think Lukic maybe was able to mix things up a bit, a bit more physical. Um, I would like in a situation where Illich isn't fit, then I think Lanetti definitely starts. Um, but if Illich is fit, I would like us to play Adopo. I think Vieira is going to be a useful squad player, especially now with, with Richie's injury. But this is almost a perfect opportunity to give a player who's earned this as well. He's he's only got a few months left in his contract. If he, if he doesn't, what sort of message does it send to him that with two or, well... <laughs> Yeah, two midfielders out if it's Illich and Richie, they still doesn't get a sniff at the game and they'd rather play somebody who's only on loan. Um I I think he and I thought he did quite well when he came on against Udinese. He had a had a break from midfield and it almost reminiscent of his run for the for the goal against Milan. He's got good memories of, of scoring the winner there. I think if if Richie's fit, I'd imagine it'd be Richie and Lanetti. Uh, sorry, if Illich is fit, I'd imagine it'd be Illich and Linetti. But if Illich isn't, I would imagine it would be Linetti and Adopo or Vieira. And I would personally go for Adopo. But I think I, I think it, I'd be very surprised if he, if he goes for Adopo and Vieira as a 
as we through, given just their relative lack of experience in terms of the system. And, and, and that. I think Linetti has proven himself to be a relatively safe pair of hands, um, despite being sort of so far out of favour at the start of the season. Well, you say that, but uh, of the eight four players, Linetti, only Vlasic has played in more games than Linetti. Yeah, which which yeah, actually, so. but if you think of if you think at the start of the season, he was you would expected that he would go to Sampa, expected to go to Spezia, um, and I think he's one of those players who actually. I mean, I thought he was excellent against Roma just before the World Cup break. He is limited, like you say, but I, I don't think he's had many like poor games. I think he's. I, I don't. I don't sort of shudder when I see his name on a team lineup as I might have previously. Um, yeah, I'd feel I'd, I'd feel confident. It, 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 a lot of it will depend on Ivic's availability, um, but yeah, I, I'd expect Lenetti to start regardless. Yeah, I mean, before we get into predictions, the one other thing I wanted to mention is, is Pietro Pellegrini. I've, um, my, I bought you a present from Turin, which was a Pietro Pellegrini magnet, and uh, reports are it's still on your fridge. But he he's managed to get injured again. He was on the bench on Sunday. And I did notice they did a warm-up at the end of the game with the players who had come on and also the unused subs. And Pellegrini was sent away. So it was, it was he didn't even manage to do the, the warm-down from the game. And then, yeah, there's report yesterday that he was going to be out for the weekend. But I saw a lot of Torino fans saying, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's a disgrace and he's never fit. And, um, you know, we shouldn't be looking at, we should rip up his contract at the end of the season. I looked at the stats. So he's, he joined last January, which is, let's say, is a full season of 38 games. He's missed 10 through injury. I thought it'd be a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, 10, so... 10 is, is quite a lot. I think there's been a lot of games where he's been on the bench and not necessarily been fit. Yeah. Um, but it's not as quite as bad as I thought it w- was. But And we do we, have, we do joke about it. And both been guilty of making a joke about the fridge magnet, which, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I think it... If you go back to that Bologna game where he got injured literally after the kickoff, I don't mean to laugh um, because it, yeah, I do feel I feel for him. I really do because you can still see his reaction. He's a young guy, and probably this is we've bemoaned the fact, so I've certainly bemoaned the fact that Torino just never play youngsters, and you have to have had two seasons of Serie B or Serie C before you get a game in the first team. And Pellegrini's probably an example of why you should do that because he was a player who played for Genoa 15, 16 um, and almost had to play sort of adult men's football before his body, even though he's a big guy, was a, was a big guy as a teenager. I, I just feel he's played maybe a little bit too much football and that's possibly why his body is breaking down. Uh, Wayne Rooney had a similar issue, I think, in, in terms of English football where he came on the scene so young that by the time he was sort of 27, 28, he'd, he'd physically played the amount of games as a 35, 36-year-old. And that's similar, I think, with Pellegrini to a lesser extent. Obviously, he's not reached that age yet, but I think he was expected, so much was expected of him at such a young age. And it, I think maybe his body is just unable to cope with, with the man's professional football, which which is a shame, I think. It, it's... Sometimes we will laugh and joke about it that Pellegrini's injured again, but he he has contributed this season, and there's definitely a player in there. And I think 
Torino probably right to sort of stick with him. He's frustrating, but when when he pops up and scores us the goal that means we qualify for Europe, and then injures himself in the celebration, then people people will uh, will forgive him. But yeah, no, I, I do feel I do feel for him, and it, it, that makes it even more remarkable that we didn't try and sign a striker in January when we've got we got Sanabria who just can't score a goal at home. We got Sek, who's super raw, and it is effect- seemingly out of favour again. Um, and yeah, we, and we've seen that playing Vlasic, who can't even get into the team in his favourite position, although he might have just been rested on on Sunday. He's not worked as a false nine either, so it will be yeah. So who... it could be it could be difficult if um, if Sanabria is not if Sanabria gets injured or. Or isn't fit. So, so, so two uh, two predictions from you. What would be the front three we play on on Friday, and what's the score going to be? I've got a dreadful. I've got a dreadful feeling that he, even I've just said the Vlasic is a false nine doesn't work. I've got a dreadful feeling that Juric might go for it to to get Caramo in the team um, as sort of one of the the sort of Trequartistas. So uh, I'll go for Vlasic, Caramo, and Moranchuk as the front three, and I am I am optimistic, but. I also know that I can't be given my my situation in the predictions league. I can't just be throwing away ridiculous uh, results. So I'm going to go for a one-one where maybe Torino concede late. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I have a feeling it'll be Car. I think Moranchuk is a shoe in. I think it'll be Caramo and, and Sanabria again. I, I wouldn't surprise me if Lazic has another game on the bench. Um, prediction. I think what we need to do is be very... We don't want to make it easy for them. They're short on confidence. The last thing they want pre-Tottenham as well is a is a really hard game. I think if we go there and let them take the initiative and if they get the first goal, it's um, that's not really going to be um, a kind of ideal scenario for us then chasing the game. So I think we, we have to be super aggressive, super positive. I, I've got a feeling I'm... If Richie was playing, I would have gone for the one-one prediction from you. I think we might lose this one-nil. Um, just yeah, it's just just a feeling I have. Um, Zlatan is also threatening to make the bench as well, um, which yeah, I mean we shouldn't we we shouldn't have too many fears, but he does he has does have a habit of um, doing something against us. But yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, it, it, if I just went for a one-one, it doesn't really help us in our in our predictions league. Uh, anyway, so I I I hope you're right, and actually I I hope I'm completely wrong, and we have to go in and win the game. But um, and everything I say is after going to the match. I, I on Friday I said the Fiorentina game hadn't really hit me, but it, it's kind of hit me now after. <laughs> After, after I got back into the hotel room after Torino beat Udinese and saw Fiorentina had lost to Bologna, and I was just like, "Oh, yeah." I think the, the commentator yes. also said about how, um, obviously, in order for the European places to sort of drop down to seventh, it needs a team who've qualified for Europe to win the Coppa, which obviously Fiorentina and Cremonese don't look like they will qualify for Europe. So then you're sort of reliant on Inter or Juve. Um, if you're just, and then obviously we don't know what well, situation you below is. us. Juve below us. That's the problem. So that's but, not going to happen. But also we don't Juve, know. We yeah. don't know what the situation is with Juve that they could win the copper, but then also be barred from Europe. So it could be a situation. Well, it could be a situation that we're cheering on Juventus to win the Coppa Italia in order to get Torino into Europe. Do you feel comfortable with that, Peter? Um, probably not. 
crossing bridges when they come. <laughs> I'll be supporting Inter in the Coppa Italia for the foreseeable. I mean, this, I've always been a big Inter fan, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think that's the safest route for it, Inter to win the Coppa. Um, and yeah, hopefully Torino can stay in seventh. And I think, yeah, I think, think it's a good point you say about, I think, given Milan's form and given the fact they've got a big game on Tuesday in the Champions League, I think Torino are probably one of the worst teams you would ask to have played because they aren't, they are a physical side. They are a, a di- difficult game. They're not sort of a side who are just going to maybe turn up and and just sort of roll over maybe. Uh, so I think if we can start well, I think the crowd will get get on the backs and that their lack of confidence is really going to show. So yeah, I'm I'm I am quietly optimistic. I, I might be out might be out with um, friends from work, so I'm hoping to be able to watch it. And, yeah, if um, there's quite a lot of uh, loud cheers in uh, leafy Leamington Spa, probably because uh, Torino have uh, beaten Milan at the San Siro for the first time since 1985. On that note, what's a total? What's a total?